Nigeria is facing an unprecedented insecurity across the country. In the northeast of the country, the ongoing violence has displaced over 2 million people and left over 80 million people in need of humanitarian assistance. That violence has been ongoing for over a decade. In the northwest of the country, there is an ongoing crisis. Some call it banditry, but it's quite a mixture of herders and farmers conflict, criminality and cartwrestling. It has led to widespread displacement, a widespread kidnapping for ransom epidemic in the region. In the north central of the country, there are reoccurring militia activity and also criminal clashes. In the south of the country, there are violence involving cultists, militant groups and pirates. These violence have continued to cost lives and destruction of property. And today we'll be looking at the key driver of the violence. Hello, welcome to the Crisis Room, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Mursal Abdullah. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the tough questions around them. This week, I'm here with my colleagues, Muhammad Akinyemi, the head of the interactive text, and Adichu Mokabir, the assistant investigative editor. Welcome to the crisis room, guys. Thank you very much, Mirindala, for having us on the crisis room this week. It's a pleasure being here with you, Mirindala. Good morning. Great. I'm just going to dive in into your recent report, the expansive report on the arms proliferation problem in the country. It's quite huge uh, and your findings are quite revealing and it kind of shows the widespread crisis that we have uh, among uh, in the country, especially with uh, the amount of arms that's flowing and how it's driving violence. And so I, I came, I'm going to ask you the first question. Uh, what is it that you found that was striking in that report? Um, I think it depends on who you ask, but but what what I found most most notable is that there are guns everywhere in Nigeria, from the north because the way we did the reports was that we worked with reporters across all regions in the country, and from the northeast to the south south southwest, almost every community that we visited across the states that we visited had gun proliferations, uh, and and this just shows the extent to which Nigerians have accepted and embraced guns in communities as almost as a staple for personal protection and for communal protection. So you mentioned something that is quite interesting in terms of the widespread nature of the proliferation of firearms. And Nigeria, we know we have these tight regulations uh, in terms of who owns and who can operate a firearm. And so, uh, Adejimo, my question is for you, uh, basically in terms of the specific area of the report that you covered, just like Akimi was saying earlier, uh, in terms of having reproaches uh, cover different areas of the country and looking at how the arms proliferation problem affect those areas. Uh, so you covered something that had to do with uh, cult groups. And so how, how, what did you find out about the source of arms? Thank you very much, uh, Murtala. Uh, at the course of investigation, we realized that uh, the courtist who says they are gone first through the help of, uh, you know, uh, some politicians who use them for political violence during the election and after elections, uh, some of them forget to even get those guns back uh, from them. And we also discover that sometimes these people hire blacksmiths to get their assets to gun. And it appears like almost every cause groups have at least one person who happens to be their leader 
that is in possession of gun. They will tell you they use it for self-defense, but we've had to realize that uh, sometimes they also used to use, I mean, they use it on themselves. Yeah, so the, the both of you have said something repeatedly, that's people getting firearms for self-defense. Uh, it kind of, kind of like gives us a view of the the capacity of security forces in the country. And this is something that has led to lots of conversation, especially demand for security sector reforms. And I did when you were also saying something in terms of uh, blacksmith. And I think that's also an issue that we keep seeing, especially when security forces recover firearms and you find out that there are lots of uh, firearms but that have been created by blacksmith. And this blacksmith... If I'm correct, are where people who used to just produce Dane guns, but they have moved into producing guns that have now become uh, drivers of violence in the country. So, Akimi, um, I'm coming back to you. And so, why did you carry out this uh, investigation? Um, initially, the investigation was supposed to look at accountability in terms of how security forces um, use their guns without any any form of accountability to people or to the government. Uh, recently, the Nigerian police were alleged to have lost, misplaced over 800,000 weapons. Uh, and nobody has been punished for that. Nobody has been, has been fired for that. It's just, it's just business as usual. So in trying to understand how this lack of accountability is leading to um, state-sanctioned uh, gun violence on people, we started looking at all the other angles and we realized that this lack of accountability or this this lack of um, decency in how guns are used it's it's not just limited to state apparatus it's it's everywhere people in small communities in large communities people trying to defend themselves from banditry people who are trying to defend themselves from land grabbers in in in, in the south south for instance where they've because of the amnesty program they've they've uh, people have had to drop about 30,000 guns officially. We found we found out that there are still lots of communities where people have to, you know, um, defend certain activities like the illegal oil bunkering industry and they need guns to do those things. So what we what we found that essential is that guns guns have become a very commonplace feature in so many communities across Nigeria. And although the regulations in Nigeria prevent people from owning more than 10 guns, the regulations have not been effective by and large because even the people who are supposed to uh, who are supposed to ensure that those regulations are, are being followed are also either promoting directly or indirectly uh, the said industry that they are supposed to be regulating and you know controlling. Yeah, I, I kind of like find interesting the point, especially in terms of accountability, and that's something that it's kind of alien a lot of times in the country, as you also mentioned, uh, the amount of firearms that have gone missing from the Nigerian police, and no one has been sanctioned publicly for that. Um, we also look at the fact that we do have a tie to regulations around owning of and operating of firearms, uh, and the specific nature of firearms that you hold. And what we see on ground is that, uh, like you also highlighted, that we have apart from criminal groups that are picking up these arms, you also have vigilante groups um, that are also picking up arms across the country. So whether in terms of a civilian joint tax force that is supporting security forces in the northeast of the country, through other forms of vigilante groups uh, in the north central, 
the Amote Kum in the, the southwest and also the other people that you go in the southeast. So Adejimo, I am coming back to you. You have also looked at the activity of Amote Kum and firearms as part of what they use. And the excuse a lot of times for the good of some of these groups is that we want to defend our people and all that. Uh, are vigilante groups actually making any difference or are they also adding up to the uh, violent culture using their firearms? Thank you very much, Mirtala. I can say that uh, in, over the past years, I mean, let's even uh, focus on Amotekun. Since Amotekun was launched in 2020, I can say that Amotekun has caused more harm than good to humanity because uh, recently we even had the need to do some report. First, the government did not allow Amotekun to carry out, I mean, to carry fire, you know, the English made fire, I mean, the pump action there, but but in the recent of it all, when Amotekun, where you see them on the street with uh, the damn gun, but when they go to push to arrest, you see that sometimes they carry out, uh, I mean, they go out with the uh, English-made guns and they're about, and uh, in the aspect of whether they've caused more harm or they've addressed security uh, challenges, I can see that so why they try to operate, they also abuse fundamental human rights and carry out a series of extrajudicial killings. And most times, most of these matters, uh, you know, we hear about, oh, an Amotek officer has been arrested for a trigger happy, Amotek officer has been arrested for uh, extrajudicial killing. But many times, we hardly hear about the outcome, whether the fellow was, I mean, is actually punished or not. It's just a sad uh, incident. Just like uh, with the Amoteku, we also have the Biago. We can say that the vigilantes, they've really caused more harm, really. Yeah, it's quite a sad story. And it appears that Nigeria continues to face these crises, especially as insecurity continues to get worse. So I'm looking at the potential uh, commendations that you found from your findings. Uh, Adijima, I'm starting with you. What is it that you found that, uh, in terms of the insights you got from your report that you can help uh, address this problem? I really feel like, uh, you know, the two boys and the government, I feel like the government is willing to because, uh, you know, when you look at it all, even police, I was speaking with Amotekun boss uh, in Ocean State, and he told me, even in some cases, we have police who give, uh, you know, armed robbers gone in exchange of money and thereabouts. So I feel the government itself must make sure that this regulation is well documented and implemented. It is not enough to say we want to do this. Uh, there's need for all the government to always take actions. And uh, for the blacksmiths, uh, I also believe that the uh, authorities should try to understand that, I mean, check and go to their places of work to know the kind of gun, uh, guns they make and there. But I feel uh, it's not just by uh, just the paperwork will not solve this problem, but uh, action by authorities. That's what I feel. Yeah. I think we have enough of paper tigers. Uh, and you, like you mentioned really, and also like just highlighting what I came was saying earlier in terms of accountability, uh, how much accountability are we seeing or ensuring that stockpile of firearms with the police and other security forces are used appropriately and that they do not fall in the hands of criminals or are not misused by the officers themselves and then the second one also you highlighted in terms of the blacksmith yeah yeah there needs to be a regulation of blacksmiths uh, a form of registration for them that we security forces can track uh who's uh, which of the blacksmiths is producing weapons that is ending up in the hands of criminals i think this is super important and broadly it's about the conversation around having regulations proper regulations not just on paper uh form of paper tigers so i came here uh the question is for you also so what what are the kind of recommendations that you found out based on your findings 
Um, I, I think the most important commendations are the ones that we got from the respondents. For instance, the um, blacksmiths that we spoke to was saying that in the past, it was difficult for them to make guns like AK-47. But now they make a lot of AK-47. When we looked at uh, police and military data from Amster disease, we saw a lot of uh, records of them saying they seized AK-49. But really, those are just AK-47s that that uh, local blacksmiths got got hold of, and then they make certain modifications to it. So one of the appeals that that the blacksmiths that we spoke to made was that the government should try to intervene, that there's an industry that they can plug into, and this industry is something that can benefit the military and the police. It is going to save us a lot of money to start looking inwards towards solving uh, our internal crisis. So we can we can get some of these people off the illegal market and bring them into the legal market to get them to work for the government rather than, you know, have them in bushes working for anyone who thinks that they want to um, defend defend themselves. But on the, on, on the part of, of, of victims, right, for instance, someone we spoke to said, when he sees, when he sees, in fact, there were so many instances of victims, say, when they see guns now, they get into panic mode. So, um, and for some of these people, the guns are not just guns from, from non-state actors. Some of the guns are from state actors. So we need to, we need to have, we need to have a much more decent approach and relationship with guns in Nigeria. We shouldn't have patrol police officers carrying guns everywhere. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have uh, military officers who are off duty carrying guns. So we need to start looking at how, um, how decent the gun, the gun conversation is in Nigeria. And what is perhaps the most important thing is that Nigeria cannot continue to shy away from the fact that we have a gun violence problem. We we think of gun violence as as something that happens in the United States of America, where people go into schools to shoot people with AR-15s and the likes. But we have people who can make AK-47s, where people can modify AK-47s. These guns are not registered anywhere. They can kill anyone and, you know, there is no record of the gun being in existence at all. So we just start looking at the gun violence problem in Nigeria and start looking at how to solve it holistically. And it does not have to be just a punishment-based kind of holistical approach. It has to look at uh, community approaches. It has to look at uh, the family units. It has to look at um, what economic advantages the government can benefit from that 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 booming gun industry in Nigeria. Thank you. Yeah, so we have to look at the gun violence problem in Nigeria, looking at what are the drivers and also the fact that having a security forces that largely depend on firearms is also problematic. And so it's something that you've highlighted a lot of times you hear of things like accidental discharge and other excessive use of force. And so yeah, you guys have in summary really, really just looked at it in terms of what driving the problem on the part of the state and the non-state actors and the hope is that the government can begin to really take significant measures to expand uh, or strengthen the transparency and accountability in terms of ownership of firearms and also in terms of better regulations striking and monitoring of the epidemic that we have in the country and that way we can begin to solve a key driver of the violence that has continued to cost lives and led to a lot of violence uh, in nigeria so thank you guys once again for joining us thank you very much for having us thank you for having us maritella this is an episode of the crisis room join us in two weeks for another episode the producer is antonia semutha Executive producer is Ahmed Salkida.